0: Welcome to The Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. How are data privacy laws like GDPR impacting business? What can we learn from Amazon's $850 million fine last year and Facebook's recent posture about leaving Europe altogether? Hello and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. I'm your host, Aiken Thompson, Chief Legal Officer at LRN. And today I'm joined by Donovan Burke, partner at VGC LLP and General Counsel at Dwell Optimal Incorporated. We're going to be talking about data privacy regulation, what's happening now, and how organizations can stay ahead. Donovan Burke is a real expert in this space. He is also a proven legal counselor and executive as a partner in premier global law firms and general counsel of major technology ventures. Donovan, thanks for joining me on the Principal Podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's pleasure to be here.
0: Great. Let's just jump right in. By this time, I think it's safe to say that most, if not all, CECOs and GCs are at least aware of GDPR and the California equivalent CCPA. They're also aware this is a very fast developing area of regulation here and in Europe. Can you just give us a lay of the land for those who don't know or not as aware as they'd like, they would want to be about these privacy and data regulations?
1: Absolutely. In the United States, these regulations were more of a secular variety. In the recent history, laws applying to health or financial services uh, all had elements of them that are data privacy elements. But for several decades, Europe uh, in particular has developed very sophisticated, comprehensive uh, data privacy laws, the most well-known of which is the the GDPR. And GDPR-like laws are the, the laws that are proliferating presently, and they're comprehensive privacy laws that govern specifically information relating to an identifiable person and protect that person's rights with respect to that information.
0: So what are the trends in data privacy and security that you think that CECOs and GCs and and CTOs, for that matter, should be thinking about in 22 and beyond?
1: Well, as I mentioned before, these laws are proliferating. Not only is the GDPR itself becoming more, more complex, there's more guidance coming out on it every day. GDPR laws are being exported and adopted in a lot of other jurisdictions, Brazil, China, India. And in the United States, starting with California and the CCPA, which will soon become the CPRA, and Colorado and Virginia, and there's a handful of other states that this year are expected to adopt GDPR like laws. So I think this is not a trend that's going away anytime soon. These laws all have extraterritorial jurisdiction, meaning it only requires usually a fairly tenuous nexus in order to be covered by these laws and you know as more jurisdictions adopt them the more likely it is that any given venture is going to run into data privacy issues that are consistent with the gdpr
0: like law so what can gcs and cecos do as sort of action items for protecting their companies and educating their employees on gdpr and ccpa
1: yeah well i mean the i mean just taking a step back these laws Training employees is not only a means to complying with the, the substantive or the other substantive aspects of the law, because, you, of course, you need to do that. You know, the employees are the ones that are where the rubber meets the road. They're the ones that really need to be able to identify when a, a privacy issue potentially uh, arises. You know, the, the average employee is not, nor could they possibly devote the time to having the expertise to solve these problems, but they need to be able to elevate them. But apart from that very critical function of knowing when to alert someone who's an expert in this area in order to, to properly assess a potential privacy issue, these laws actually require the training and documentation of the training as part of you know, the accountability and showing uh, that they're in compliance with the law. So it's a critical critical aspect.
0: And even people who are aware of GDPR and CCPA, uh, which, as you mentioned, is now going to be known as CPRA. Are there other jurisdictions, nations, and and for that matter, inside nights and states that are also promulgating similar laws that people have to be aware of and and follow the action vis a vis those laws and regulations promulgated underneath them?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and that's you know obvious. Br- Brazil came out uh, a year or so ago. I believe it became effective with the GDPR, very a law very close to the GDPR. China has a law that is derived in in large part from the gdpr and india also obviously these are these are huge markets and that is going to continue to be the trend and as we mentioned you know the ccpa you know has already after just having been effective for a couple of years is becoming the cpra and what that really is is move even closer to the GDPR, adding, you know, some special considerations for sensitive data and other key GDPR concepts.
0: So it's my impression that people are aware that these laws do carry some potential stiff penalties and enforcement actions are available by governments potentially and also potentially by by individual people who had their data exposed. But I get the feeling that a lot of uh, CECOs and GCs are still not taking the enforcement mechanisms as seriously as, that, as they should. Has that been your impression, or am I off on that?
1: I think that that has been true, although I think given that in, enforcement has, and, and I'll, I'll just, I, I believe it's, you know, trebled in the case of the European Union enforcement actions and, you know, really expensive ones, like the Amazon that you, you mentioned that was $800 million or so ultimate hit to, to Amazon. So I, I think they're they're waking up, and I think they should be. Let's take this in a couple of pieces. Private rights of action can get extraordinarily expensive. In the United States, where these GDPR-like laws have been implemented, the private rights of actions are fairly limited today. They're not nearly as limited in the, the European Union, although recent court cases have made it a little more difficult for folks to bring private rights of action but i think there's been you know there, there's been a lot of forbearance on the part of authorities that bring the enforcement actions you know apart from being sued by a person the actual agencies that enforce these laws you know i think they've they've given people a break because they realize that, you know, these are new laws, they've been changing so rapidly, it's really hard to figure out how to uh, comply. Even the authorities themselves aren't sure how to enforce the laws, you know, until there's, you know, some more guidance from the promulgating authorities. And, you know, that's certainly been the case in California, and also been the case in the, the European Union, where, you know, until recently, most of the enforcement actions were where there was kind of an an obvious and urgent issue, a breach, you know, where there was a data breach, that would be where the authorities would step in. But now in all jurisdictions, it seems like that break is over and, you know, there's enough guidance to know how to enforce. And so you're seeing a lot more actions in the European Union, for example, where they're for failure to have a, a proper legal purpose or a lot of other you know, more subtle aspects apart from there just being a massive data breach, which is an obvious problem.
0: And when you say uh, legal purpose, you mean legal purpose to have and to share the data? Exactly.
1: Under the GDPR, you, you have to have a, a legal basis for, for processing the data. And there are a, a number of bases that you can have, including a legitimate purpose or consent and some form of of that, you know, generally finds its way into the laws of any jurisdiction that has a GDPR-like law. But the point I'm making is, you know, there, there are a lot of, for example, there are disclosure requirements, very specific, you know, kind of what you need to cover and disclose and what you need to do in order to get the right kind of consent. And I think all of those types of more technical issues, you know, that the authorities have been willing to overlook because they they've been in a state of flux and what does that mean and how do you do it? But I think they're getting to a point where they feel like people ought to know it enough at this point, and there's enough guidance to where these laws are going to be enforced.
0: Right. And you're sort of you're starting, uh, getting into sort of the aspect of best practices, so the topic of best practices. Certainly, as, uh, as CECOs and GCs, uh, how we react to regulatory risk is and the main reaction, prospectively, is to put into best practice, put some best practices in place, make sure you're, you're following the correct procedures. But in a complicated regulatory situation like data privacy is, how are companies handling these multiple geographies and jurisdictions and certainly slightly different requirements in each one, although they're sort of related? Is the answer just to apply the most restrictive rules globally, or do you create redundant systems and regionalize those systems in, in conjunction with where you are, where your data sits? Ultimately, what are the factors that go into the decision on how to, how to handle data?
1: Well, the, the answer you know is, is it going with the the most onerous uh, the laws the most onerous laws, the most demanding jurisdiction, or is it to really try to be more compartmental in terms of compliance? you know the answer to that is yes. It's both depending on your resources and how the laws impact transacting you know your business, really large- scale enterprises, that have a particularly you know heavy personal data component where it drives their their revenues is, is you know critical core to their business. If the most onerous laws are antithetical to collecting and using the data that, that in a way that's you know most profitable for them, then obviously they're incentivized to try and you know have a, a different user experience for different jurisdictions so that they can maximize the use of the data jurisdiction by jurisdiction. Whereas you know, other enterprises where the personal data component isn't so important and where the data that they, they have to, you know, collect isn't really impacted over jurisdictions. And there's less than an incentive to behave differently and to have a different experience, you know, jurisdiction by jurisdiction. And at the top level of all this is money. No matter how large the organization, there are only so many resources that can be thrown at this particular aspect of doing business. And certainly you want to try and achieve an optimal level of compliance. But at the end of the day, for a lot of people in charge of these programs and, and enterprises, it's figuring out, you know, how best to leverage the resources that they have.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that's sort of that's more or less true of of all compliance efforts, but certainly one as complex as this one. One follow-up question on that. You know, obviously, the, the, a short podcast is a, a textual analysis of uh, these very complicated laws are sort of well beyond our scope here. But it had occurred to me, and I wanted to ask you, as between the GDPR, CCPA, are there actually conflicting requirements with an either or that we have to make? There, there may there, not be, but I'd, <laughs> love to, I'd love to ask the question.
1: Yeah, there can be. I mean, the privacy laws themselves don't tend to be in conflict but for example the privacy requirements you know as we mentioned at the beginning these data privacy laws have an extended jurisdiction so just because it's you know the GDPR and it's in the European Union it extends to really anyone who establishes a nexus with the European Union which you know most large US corporations for example you know have that nexus and and so often the conflict will come up in personal data that's required to be disclosed in litigation and other administrative matters here where our rules of litigation and our laws rules regulations you know require disclosure of information that the similar laws in the European Union do not require and and so you may be required to disclose information pursuant to laws here and disclosure of that information is in conflict with your obligations under the
0: GDPR. Got it. Got it. You know, it's interesting. We've been talking mostly in the last couple of minutes about sort of the compliance end of things, but. SeCOs are called uh, chief ethics and compliance officers for for a reason. And so beyond compliance and beyond the sort of fear of enforcement actions and and balancing compliance with business objectives, what are the positive? What are you know, obviously these these laws were created and are being enforced to protect people and protect their data and their identity and all and all, and all sorts of other things. So there should be some positive in terms of compliance and, and following these laws. What what do you see as the as a positives for that, that a CCO or a GC can point to and sort of animate the discussion with regard to these privacy laws, regarding what's the gain from complying with GDPR and TCPA and the the other regulations?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the the debate over you know whether data privacy and privacy generally is a is a good thing was settled thousands of years ago. All these laws derive you know originally out of you know some of the original texts. Of the world's religions, and then you know evolved into charters of the European Commission and the United Nations, and uh, you know have found their way. So you know certainly there is a huge ethical component and, and a human rights component to providing people with protection of their data. You know, in addition to being perceived as a true ethical issue, you know that it, it is a substantial competitive advantage. It's a market differentiator. Consumers, you know, definitely will tend to gravitate towards a company that is perceived as taking the privacy of its data seriously. And you know, surveys have identified it as the top ESG category for consumers. And it's also regarded by investors as a, a key ESG concern. And it's not just in the context of being attractive to the customers of a business. But as you well know, it can, you know, companies are looking at and buying and joint venturing and doing all kinds of business combination arrangements with other companies. And it, and that is increasingly becoming a matter for diligence and, and real consideration in terms of, of value and compatibility in doing these corporate transactions.
0: You know, absolutely. And, and certainly LRN has done a fair amount of research on this. And all our research points to the fact that this is that data privacy along with other ESG issues, are becoming more and more very, very important issue for, uh, for corporate boards, both public and private boards. Well, clearly, this is a conversation we could be having all day, but we're out of time now, Donovan. So thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. The time flew. Great. Thank you. My name is Aiken Thompson, and I want to thank you all for listening to the Principal Podcast by LRN. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning, ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.